Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. I'm so glad you're here. And isn't it really cool to hear all the stories of people from our church family and what God is doing? You know, God is moving. God is doing a new thing. God is doing, uh, God is, is showing up in people's circumstances. I love that one because I know that there are many of you today that are in a position where you are even in need of a physical touch and our God is able. Um, I love what Mackenzie said there because it isn't about seeking the healing, but it's about seeking your savior and allowing him to do what he, what he is able to do. Amen. Well, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called The Underdog, and uh, essentially what we've talked about is the fact that when we've accepted Christ, when we've decided to move in our faith journey, that in that moment, we move from being the underdog to being victorious, that God has called us to victory. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4 says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you will show us what we need to see. God, I know that there are people who are watching this in Star Valley and Malawi and in the prison system and online and in the room. And and God, wherever we are in our faith journey, I pray, God, that we'll hear from you today, that, God, we will understand that you are speaking to us, that you love us, that you fight for us, that you are the one that can defeat the enemy in our lives. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to look at a particular passage of scripture. If you've been with us, we've talked about David and Goliath. We talked about Samson. We talked about uh, last, last week we, uh, we, we spent some time. Now I just spaced what we talked about last week. I hope you didn't space what we talked about last week. Um, but last week we talked about Lazarus. And so uh, uh, it's been, there's been a lot of different stories. But today I want to look in John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. It says this, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem, for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So real quick, I want to recap this story. Uh, Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem and right outside of the the gate, of the sheep gate, which is where they would bring the the animals in for sacrifice, there's this pool. And and some translations say it a little bit different, but basically that there was a belief that whoever got in the water first when uh, the water stirred, that they would get healed. And so this man would come every day and he would sit there. And can I tell you that that pool is still evident today. You can see that. Like if you went to Israel with us next November, you would be able to go and see the pool. In fact, I'm gonna ask Angela to come up, Pastor Angela, if she'll come up. And uh, this message brought to you by Tour Israel. Um, (laughs) No, I just, I, it was interesting because her and I were just talking about this the other day about this trip that we've got coming up in November and that we've had some people sign up to go and others of you have had questions about it. 
But as I was thinking about this, I know that archaeologists have, have found this. They know it to be true. It's, it's a very big, uh, what was a pool back in Jesus' time. And it's really incredible to think that we can go from here and we can go and see um, some of the things that we read about in Scripture. So I asked her to just come up and maybe give us a little bit of information about the trip. Look at that. She's got folks. She's got a slideshow. <laughs> hey, um, we're so excited to get this opportunity to go to Israel with you. Um, we are going to go this November, leaving November 26th, and we'll be back on December 6th. Um, the trip is going to be um, kind of incredible. I'm super excited. As you can see, from, this is the Pool of Bethesda right there. That's the ruins of it right there that we're going to get to see. We are actually joining with um, Pastor Rod and Val's church. From Florida. From yep, Florida. Coastal, yep. Coastal Church down there. They're going to be joining us with a team. Um, the cost on this trip is about 4000 We depend on the airfare to get us to New York. But that is nothing if God really wants us to go, right? He's going to form a way for us to go. I'm excited because my husband and I are going to go. We've wanted to go for a long time. Um, the company that we're going with is called Journeys Unlimited, and they have actually taken over a hundred, well, no, I'm sorry, thousands of people over there. The man that we're working with, the coordinator, is about a hundred times himself, so they really know what they're doing. They only work with certified tour guides, too. And do they understand what that means to be a, a certified guide in Israel? You have to go to school for two years. Hmm. And every year you have to get more training. So you have to take history classes. You have to really learn what's going on there. We're going to go see things like the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to go to the Mount Olive. We're going all over the place to see some really, really cool things. So if you want to go with us, please sign up on the app or at the Welcome Center, and then I'll be in contact with you to give you more information about it. Yes, and she will be available afterwards if you just have yes. questions about it. I'll be at the Welcome Center. She'll be at the Welcome Center if you have questions about it. Cool. Okay. Thank you. Good work. All right. So I wanted, I wanted you to hear that because this is a real place. This really happened. Jesus shows up. We see that uh, there's this underground spring. There's a man. He's been there for a long time. He's been sick. And uh, Jesus comes. And I, I can't imagine what this must have looked like because the Bible says that there was just a ton of people outside uh, of this pool waiting. If you can imagine that people are getting healed as they get in the water. So every day there's this big crowd. And Jesus sees this one particular man. There's this multitude of people and Jesus saw him. And I think that we can become so enamored with the crowd that we lose sight of people. And Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't get overwhelmed by seeing, he didn't get falsely impressed by the crowd. Instead, he got to a place where he saw people as individuals. And can I tell you, Jesus still sees you. Jesus isn't impressed by our crowds. He's impressed by our heart. He wants your heart. And so he sees you, whether you're in a crowd at church or whether you're driving in your car, he sees you. And I, I, I can only imagine this story because this man had been sick for 38 years. He had, he had been in a place where it doesn't talk a lot about what was going on with him, but he was at a place where he couldn't get into the pool himself. And so because of that, he, uh, he would come every day and he would, he would sit by this pool in hopes that somebody would help him in as soon as the water began to stir but no one ever did. This man must have been at a place where he was losing hope. And Jesus asks him this question, do you want to get well? Well, why would Jesus ask that question? 
But Jesus cuts through all of the excuses, all of the defensive defenses, and he says, he says, do you want to get well? Can I tell you that I think we live in a time right now where, where there are a lot of people whose their, their identity is in their illness. Their identity is in their victimhood. Their identity is in what's gone wrong. Their identity is the thing that happened to them when they were a child. All of those things. And, and can I tell you, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see your infirmity. He doesn't see the problem that you had growing up. He doesn't see that. He, Jesus doesn't look at you as a victim. He sees your potential when he looks at you. And so Jesus looks at this man, and this man had always been identified by his illness. People would probably say, oh, that, that paralyzed guy. You know that paralyzed guy that's always at the pool. You know that guy. But Jesus doesn't see him that way. Jesus sees him for who he is, and he asks him this question, do you want to be healed? Are you okay with living this way? Do you want your life to change? Do you want things to be different inside of your world? And so as we look at this, we need to understand that there's something super important about what takes place here because as we look at this, the, the man says, a couple of things. He says, hey, listen, yeah, you know, but no one will get me into the pool. If somebody would help me, then I would. But he starts what he says with the word, sir. And I, this is so important because as I was looking at scripture, I realized that this is an important moment in what he says. Because when he says, sir, to Jesus, he actually is putting himself under Jesus's authority. He's saying, I, I, I'm looking up to you. I'm looking to you, sir, and then he says what the problem is. This is why I'm not being healed. Well, we often want Jesus to help us in our situation without putting our lives under his authority. And I think that for many of us, this is where we get stuck because we like the idea of Jesus. We like to take communion. We like to worship. We like to, we like to come out on the weekend and maybe even serve in different ways. But there are things in our lives that we don't want to let go of. There are things in our lives that we want to be fully in control of. And when we, when we understand that it was because this man said, sir, and he looked to Jesus, then all of a sudden his whole world changed. What he was was completely different when Jesus was done with him. Jesus, we'll see in just a moment that Jesus steps in and does what only he can do. John chapter five, verse seven says this, I can't, sir, this is what we just read a second ago. The man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. He said such a thing as that, they who said such a thing as that, that he, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. So I wanna, I wanna look at this for just a moment because I find this an interesting part of the story and then we're gonna go back. But the religious cared more about the law than the man. And I think that sometimes the church today cares more about religion and tradition than they do about the man, than they do about the woman. 
They care more about we want to make sure everything looks tidy and clean and that we put on our, our nice church mask when we come to church and we pretend that we've got all of our stuff together so that we can impress everybody else that will sit in the church with us today. And we care more about that than we do about the person who's sitting next to us. You know what I love about the fact that we're doing these stories as I've heard it from multiple people now, that they've said, I had no idea that that person walked through that hard thing. I had no idea. You would never know that because, they, they, because of the way that they are. But can I tell you, when, we are, when we're transparent and we say, hey, I've been a mess or I am a mess and I am struggling and things are hard and I, I, keep, I keep having a hard time with, with this addiction or I, I struggle in this area, when we do that, there's, there's, this, there's this vulnerability that comes and we're able to see God move in that because we care more about other people than we do about protecting our own reputation. So we see this, the religious people, they're like, hey, you're not allowed to carry your mat on the Sabbath. That's called work. Can I tell you, they're upset. They're more upset that because he carried his mat and because they considered it work and it did not actually break the law of the Sabbath, but it broke their interpretation of the law of the Sabbath. Pharisees lived their lives wanting to find reason to look down on people. Pharisees looked at people and saw their mistakes and sin, and Jesus looked at people and saw their potential. Aren't you glad that Jesus looks at you and he sees your potential? Aren't you grateful that when you say yes to Jesus, then, then that list of, of, of what you've done wrong, for some of you, <laughs> right? He's done with it. He doesn't hold that over you. He doesn't take that list and follow you around with it and go, hey, don't forget. The enemy will do that. The enemy absolutely will do that. He'll take that list of the stuff that you've done that you know you shouldn't have done and the things that you already feel guilt for and he'll remind you of it and remind you of it and remind you of it. Because that's how he can win. But Jesus, when he looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your sin. He sees your potential. And the man, not knowing who Jesus is, says, says, I just need some help. What I need is I need help getting into the spring. But Jesus isn't about, isn't about just doing what we want. He has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. Man, this guy was just like, man, if you just give me a shot, maybe I'll get healed. But Jesus is like, there's no maybe in it. Trust me. Put yourself under me. Believe in me. And when you do, everything changes it's been amazing to watch what's been going on at, in Kentucky at this, at this college with this revival that is breaking out. And so I, I was watching some things, some interviews of some of the students, and it's pr been pretty wild because I even watched the, the sermon that was preached in the chapel right before the revival broke out. And can I tell you, the, the sermon was, was a good sermon, but it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with revival. It had nothing to do with anything. It just, the guy literally gave a good word about God's love and how much God loves you. And then he walked off the stage and the worship team came up and they just began to sing. And, and at some point, not too long after they began to sing, everybody began to shuffle out of the room. And there wasn't anything like spectacular about anything. But, it, but one of the person I saw interviewed said there was about 20 people that just kind of lingered. A couple people stayed and, and prayed and a few people just stayed in worship. So the worship team just kept singing. And so as they just kept singing, a few more people heard and they came in to the chapel. 
And then I, I saw the president of the college and he was interviewed and he said that he got online and, he, and, and, and somebody had said, hey, there's still stuff going on in the, church, in the chapel right now. And so he, he came and he saw, so he sent an email out to all the students and he said, hey, there's still worship happening. If you want to come to the chapel, you can do that. And the worship has been going for 10 days now or something like that. It has not stopped. It's powerful. And, and as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about this, this coming to a place where we try to almost, we try to almost create something. We try to, we try to manufacture something. We, we go, hey, Jesus, if you'll just put us in the water, then that would be great. That would be super helpful if you could just help us get in the water and maybe we'll beat somebody else in there so we'll actually get healed. And Jesus is like, quit trying to tell me how to do it because I can actually do it better than you. Your plan sounds really good, but my plan is better than your plan. So it's this moment of instead of, instead of forcing something and trying to make something, you know what I love about this? And I, I actually posted this today, but I found this really interesting that this revival has been going and, and worship has been nonstop since then. So it's just people are flying from all over the world literally to go to this campus to go and be a part of it. But they had, they've had a lot of the big name pastors and worship leaders who have said, hey, we'll come and help out. And you know what the school said? They said, you're welcome to come and worship with us, but we don't need you. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand. I think everybody's heart was good. Hey, we'd love to come and be a part of it. But they're saying, listen, this, we're not, we're not going to try and manufacture anything because what's happening is legitimate and it's real. And we don't want to, we don't want to tamper with it. We just want God to keep being God. For us, what I hope is, is that we'll come to this understanding that, that Jesus is always in the business of moving someone from underdog to victory. This man was about as big of an underdog as you can be. 38 years, he suffered. 38 years, he was not a productive member of society. For 38 years, he had to depend on others constantly just to stay alive. And now he sits and he sees Jesus and in this moment where he says, sir, I'm under you. I'm under who you are. In that moment he says that, then all of a sudden Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to put you in the pool. But what I am going to say is get up, walk, roll up your mat and go. What an incredible moment for this man. For some of you, you need to hear that today because what you need to understand is you are trying so hard to make things happen. You're praying, but when you're praying, you're telling Jesus what to do. I'm guilty of this. I know it. I do it too. I tell Jesus, hey, when you, you know, if you could step into my circumstance and you can make this happen and make that happen, and make, how about what if we didn't pray that? What if instead we just said, we just said, I trust you. That's kind of what McKinsey did in that story. She had been praying for so long that, that she wanted a specific outcome, and she was almost praying to that outcome. And instead, in this women's retreat, she has this moment where, where God just says, no, chase me and let me do it. And when, he, when she does, all of a sudden, it, it, just amazingly, even as you hear her talk about driving to the next appointment with the assumption that because she hadn't been praying for that outcome or she hadn't been seeing that outcome, she's assuming that surgery is in the works. But instead, as she's prayed and trusted God with it, the Holy Spirit says, don't put words in my mouth. I think Jesus in this moment says to this man at the pool, don't put words in my mouth. Don't tell me what to do. 
Just put yourself under me and trust me. Just believe in me. And when you do, everything changes. Listen to David in Psalm Psalm 118. The Bible refers to him as a man after God's own heart. Listen to this. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So I looked up that word refuge, and it means, it means a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Now, if you sit in this room today and you've accepted Christ in your life, then our lives should be where we take refuge in our God. But so many of us live our lives where we are, we are uh, we're wanting the crowd's approval, we're wanting people's approval, we want everybody to like us, we want all of these things. But the reality is, is no matter what, if you are a believer, can I tell you that we live in a day and a time, and it's only going to get worse, where the world is going to hate us. The world is going to hate us. And the only, there's, only, there's only two things we can do with that. We can hide our beliefs or we can be who we're supposed to be and take our refuge in him. And that means when we take refuge, it means that we are sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. Why? Because our ultimate goal isn't about pleasing man, it's about pleasing God. And if we please God, then we know that we will stand before him one day and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If your trust is in your own ability today, you will never meet your full potential. If your hope is derived from another human being, you will be disappointed. If it is in a politician, you will be extremely disappointed. David says it like this in Psalm 25. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This man in our story had a plan, and his plan was led to by his routine, and his routine had become a rut, and then Jesus. Some of you have had a routine. You have a plan. You have, you have your next, some of you are like big planners. There's some of you that are fly by the seat of your pants, and some of you are the planners, and you've got like the next five years, 10 years mapped out. This is what it's going to look like. This is what I need to do. This is how my retirement's going to work. This is, and you have all these things. And that's all fine and good. But the reality is, is you can get into a routine and your routine can become a rut. But if you come to a place where you say, you know what? I'm going to do my very best each day and every day. But my trust and my hope is going to be in Jesus Christ. This man calls out to Jesus and he places himself under Jesus' authority and then his life is transformed. Everything changed. This man had done the same thing day in and day out and in this moment, he sees Jesus. And for some of you, you sit here today and you need to see Jesus. You need to look past your problem and look past your, your, your stuff and you need to see Jesus. And not just see him, but some of you have said yes to him and you've said, yeah, I'm going to follow him. But really, you've, you've kind of walked off and you've done your own thing still. You still want to be in the driver's seat. 
And can I just tell you that today is a day where my hope and my prayer is, is that you will set aside your own agenda and say, sir, whatever you have for me, whatever you have for me, because he is good and his plans for you are better than your plans. I guarantee it. But we got to get out of our own way. We've got to stop trying to tell Jesus how to do things, and we got to start saying, Jesus, whatever you need to do, do it. Whatever my life looks like with you in charge, help me to find that and help me to walk that out. I'm going to ask the worship team to get ready to come, and as they do, I want to take a few moments, because I really feel like tonight there are some that are in the house, and, and maybe you're watching in Star Valley and uh, Malawi, and, and I just really feel like this is a moment where there have been some of you that are that are you have come here today and if you're honest, you're actually a little frustrated. You're frustrated because maybe like Mackenzie, the thing you've been praying for, you aren't seeing it come to fruition. You're struggling because you're like, God, where are you? Why are you not listening? Why are you not answering? Why are you not doing what I'm asking you to do? This man asked for something. He asked, he, the ultimate goal was he wanted to be healed, but he gave Jesus instructions. This is how it works. And Jesus, in that moment, said, no, 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 that's not how it works. Let me tell you how it works. Some of you today, even as you heard Mackenzie's story, you realize that you've been praying almost to an outcome instead of to a savior. You've been praying about something and giving him instructions, this is how I want you to do it. But the God of the universe doesn't need your instructions. So what if instead, tonight as we close this time out together and we open up opportunity, we're gonna have our prayer teams are gonna be down here. What if instead we just said, God, I trust you. Can I tell you, we don't even necessarily have to pray. Like if, you, if you're sick and you're struggling or you're in pain, we don't, we don't even need to tell him that. He already knows it. So what if instead our prayer teams, if you come to the altar, whatever, we just, God, I trust you. I trust you. You know, you know me more than I know me. You know the inside of me and the outside of me. You know everything there is to know about me. So God, today, I just want you to know I trust you. You know the desires of my heart. Whatever that looks like, God, I'm trusting you with it. I believe that if we'd prayed that prayer, some of you are gonna receive a healing that you've been praying for for a long time. Some of you are gonna see things move in your life like you've not seen before. And for some of you, it's gonna mean humbling yourself and getting out of your chair. Because I know when you look up and there's just a few people up here praying, you're like, oh, there's other people that need it more than me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Either we trust him or we don't trust him. If you trust him, then don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Get up from your seat. If it means coming to just the altar to kneel by yourself, that's fine. If it means waiting until somebody can pray with you, then do that. But let's believe him. Let's take him at his word. Some of you have felt unseen. You feel as though you're forgotten. You're lost in the crowd. God sees you. 
God looks past everyone and he sees you and he cares about you. So let's see what happens when we trust him. I'm going to pray over you. The worship team is going to lead us in a little bit more worship. We're going to open up the altars. I'm going to have the prayer teams come and get ready to pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father God, that you have... When we accept you, God, you, you put victory in our DNA. You change us. But God, still some of us have walked in defeat. Some, within the sound of my voice right now, have felt forgotten. They felt unheard. They felt like you're not answering. God, I believe that for many, it's because we're praying the wrong thing. Because we're giving you instructions. And God, tonight, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give you instructions. We're going to lead with, I trust you. And we're going to ask you to step into our situation, however you see fit. God, your plan is better than ours. Lord, help that trust and that faith to rise up in us that we'll know that to be true. Father, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we worship? The altars are open if you want to come and receive prayer. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.